Welcome to Every Man a Leader, a podcast designed for men. Being male does not make you a man. And this podcast is a conversation on what it means to step up to be the man that God's already made you to be. Every man listening to this podcast has a very specific calling and design, but we have to say yes. We have to submit and surrender to that call and surrender to our Father in heaven for us to walk fully in that call. Every man a leader. Welcome to the show. This is episode one, and these first few episodes are actually going to be a recording of our men's nights that we've had over the last several years. And the reason that we're doing the first few episodes is because we're going to set the tone on what we are, what we believe, and who we are. First and foremost, we believe that Jesus is supreme. He is Lord. We believe everything that he says in scripture is true. We follow his words, we live by his words, and we ultimately surrender to his words and what he's asked us to do and ask us to be as men. Secondly, the heartbeat of every man a leader and the heartbeat of this particular group of men that are listening to this podcast, even as I talk now, our heart is to embed into our DNA and into our culture as a men's group. I believe it's important to hear not only from the lead pastor, uh, not only from our executive senior pastor, but also just what happens inside of our men's night, because they are a crucial piece to what God is asking us to do and be here. And ultimately, how do we develop the most mentally tough group of men in church. Our prayer is that we surrender to the most mentally tough man to ever walk the face of the earth, Jesus Christ. He is supreme. He is foremost. And he is the one we look to for mental toughness. He is the one that we look to to find out what it means to actually be a man and to walk in our God-given manhood, our true God-given masculinity. Sit back, relax, and let's learn and let's find our hearts and then let's surrender. Episode one, welcome to the show. We're going to clap. Let's just clap for Jesus, all right? Well, most of you are used to seeing me deliver what I call a message. I don't call them talks. I don't call them sermons. I call them messages because I'm at my best, I feel like, when I'm the mailman, where it's kind of like God just puts a package in my mailbox and my responsibility is just to pass it on to you. And we're going to do that tonight, but it's going to look a lot different than what you're used to. But the package is still going to be received. I'm confident of that, but I'm, I'm not preaching a sermon tonight, all right? You're going to do the work. All I'm doing tonight is spotting you. That's literally all I'm going to do. You're going to do some serious heavy lifting, all right? So you need your piece of paper. You need a pen. I believe in this moment you're going to see something. And you can write if you need to turn your page over. You can. At the top of the page, I want you to write, every man needs a dot, dot, dot. Every man includes you, includes me. You've probably heard us say, stand with six, six strong, uh, any variation of using the number six plus you. And what we're saying is, God created six as the number of man, seven as the number of perfection, and six other men and you. We believe this is what God created it to look like, where when you stand with six other godly men, you're going to be able to do what God created you to do. But most of us don't even know. We, we just arbitrarily pick six dudes and hope they're going to be able to help us get where God's called us to go. It doesn't work like that. So I'm going to give you a list of six men that every man needs in his life. Every man needs these six men. So some of you are here tonight, and I was watching from the back. You feel a little socially awkward. It's group time. You didn't get into a table, and so you're sitting in the back, and you're a little sheepish. Listen, don't worry. Look at me. Look at Brad. Brad is testosterone on steroids. Look at me, all right? They called me pretty press in college, all right? 
So you, if, if you feel like, man, I, I would never fight in that ring, neither would I, all right? So we got to get over this whole comparing ourselves and I'm not him, I can't do that. Listen, I can't be Brad, but here's what I also know, Brad can't be me. So you got to stop looking around and going, well, I'm not like them. And look how, man, that guy was tough taking those bags across. I couldn't even get it over my shoulder. That's all right. Who cares? But if you will just start walking a year from now, you'll be able to lift heavy weights. A month from now, you'll be able to lift heavier weights. But you got to have these six guys. So we're going to walk through the list and you're going to do some work during this part. All right. Here's the first man. And, and I'm using David as the example. All right. And I'm going to give you scriptures. I'm not reading one scripture because if you want to do the work, you'll go home and do it. I'm not going to do it for you by putting it up on the screen and, and letting you see it up on the screen. You want to do the work? You want to find out what these men look like? Go home, get in the word, read about these men, all right? But this is the life of David. David's a freak show. David is the man. David always has been the man. Greatest king Israel has ever had. One of the reasons he was the greatest king is because he didn't lead from the castle. He led from the front line. When you read through scripture, I don't know if anybody had more nasty, monstrous fighters around him other than David. Nobody had what David had. But interestingly enough, if you think everybody on the list has to be heroically strong, you're wrong. And you don't understand what God created you to need and have around you to do what he called you to do. Here's the first man every man needs in his life. Every man needs a Samuel. You can just, if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, just write down 1 Samuel 16. Go home and read how David's life, how his story in scripture gets started. It doesn't get started without Samuel. Who is Samuel? Samuel's the prophet that God uses to call out David from taking care of the sheep and the goats and appoint him as the next king of Israel. Listen to me. Every man needs an older man in his life who sees something that you don't see that will call out what God has put inside of you. But not just call it out, they'll help get it out. Every man needs a Samuel. Well, Preston, I don't have a Samuel in my life. Why do you think you're here? Why do you think we're, we're, God called us to be a part of his family, not just to attend church? Because if you don't have a Samuel, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to find one here. And you're probably not going to find him if you're here 35 minutes every month. Give yourself a better chance, bro. Why do you think we do meet and greet and all that silly stuff? Because Samuel may be sitting behind you. Now, with every man, we're going to ask two questions, all right? Here, here's the first question we're going to ask. We're going to ask this about every man. What does a Samuel look like? Well, we just answered it. See something in you that you don't even see sometimes. Calls what God put in you out of you. But most importantly, helps get it out of you. That's what Samuel did. David's dad called him the runt. Samuel called him the king. You better have an older man in your life that sees you as the godly man God's created you to be at the finish line, not the loser you might feel like today. We all need that. And we all look like losers today, hopefully, compared to what we look like at the finish line. Here's the second question. What does life without Samuel look like? Erratic. Life without a Samuel in your life looks erratic. You're just hopping around. Well, is this what I was made to do? Is this what I was made to do? What about this? I'll try this. It's not until Samuel comes in and goes, you're the next king of Israel. Start acting like it. Some of us need to walk like Samuel. And listen, everybody on this list is someone you can be, not just someone you need. And you're going to see that by the end of, the, uh, of this time at your own table and in your own group. Samuel, Samuel's a guy who stays on the balcony while you're stuck wandering around in the brush. He has the high level perspective of who God created you to be. Doesn't it just sound like life would be easier to live if you had a Samuel in your life? 
That's because God made it that way. Here's the second man every man needs in his life. You need a Beniah. You need a Beniah. Most people don't even know who Beniah is. If you're taking notes, write this down. 2 Samuel 23 and 1 Chronicles 27, you will see what a savage Beniah was. Took out his own giant. Led David's secret service for a season. Took out two heroes. Jumped into a pit with a lion. And if you've ever read the book, On a Snowy Day. There's a book entitled In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. It's all about Beniah. You can look it up by Mark Batterson. What does a Beniah look like in your life? Someone stronger than you in more than one area. You need a man in your life, at least one, who is stronger in a couple other areas. What kind of areas are you talking about, Preston? Marriage, being a dad, in the workplace, as a believer, as a businessman. Go down the list. You need somebody in your life who's stronger in a couple other areas where you're weak. This is one of the things Brad does in my life. It's not just a physical thing. I know I look stronger than he does. He's stronger than I am. But in a couple other areas, when I'm weak, I will walk right into his office and go, hey, I just need a couple minutes. And here's what's funny. Here's how you know the Benaiah's in your life. You want to go run through a wall when you're done talking to him. Just think right now. I want you to be thinking while I'm going through this. Starting with Samuel. Do you have a Samuel in your life? If you do, what's his name? Write it on the page right next to Samuel. Who is your Samuel? Who's your Benaiah? What does life look like without Benaiah? Exhausting. Life without a Benaiah looks exhausting. Here's why. You're carrying more weight than you're supposed to. God puts Benaiah in your life to help shoulder heavy burdens. I'm telling you right now, I could not pastor this church the way that I do without Brad Larson. I could not. God knew it. That's why he only made me do it for a year without him, not even a year, because he just wanted me to know and feel what it's like to do it without Benaiah. Now I've got Benaiah, and I want to be Benaiah in his life. Listen, here's one of the great things about relationship, because if you're listening to this list and you go, man, I need that. Well, you're a little bit wrong, and I'm going to tell you why. Because you should actually be saying, I want to be that. It's not just I need, I need, I need. That's a weak man. A strong man says, yes, I do need, but I also want to be. I want to be Benaiah. Now, I need a Benaiah, but I want to be Benaiah. Find a man in your life who's stronger in a couple other areas. A truly strong man is a man who helps others get stronger, not just one who loans others his strength. This is what we think a strong man is that just goes, here, I'll help you carry that. It's not just that. This is what I love about Brad, my Beniah. He doesn't just go, here, I'll carry that for you. He'll get in my face and say, you need to get stronger in this area. Now, he's not mean, but he's letting me know. Let's go. You can carry this. You can get stronger. This isn't too heavy for you. That's what Beniah does. Go read about him in scripture. You have to decide. You want a spotter or a workout partner? A spotter will help make the, the weights easier. Mike was up here a little bit earlier. I usually don't bench. Uh, I'll do dumbbells on the bench, just freeing it up. And I hadn't benched 225 since I was in college. And I was with Brad and Mike, who bench, you know, 305 with their eyes closed several times every morning before they have their Cheerios kind of thing, you know. And you could just look at me and go, yeah, I'm pretty sure he doesn't do that. So I thought, man, I, I'm just going to throw 225 up and see how many reps I can get. I think we're in another country doing it. And so, you know, I was trying not to make a fool out of myself, making loud noise 
noises with all these other people from this country. And I got, I think I got five or six and, and the weight started to get lighter. And that was the, the moment in time where Mike started getting his back workout in, if you know what I'm talking about. He, he's just going like this. I'm like, man, I'm pushing this out great. And then after about three, I was like, bro, let's be done. You're doing more than I am. Here's the deal. Most of us actually would prefer that, but not when we're healthy. Don't lift my weight for me. Help me lift it until I can lift it by myself. It's not just, I can't carry that. Can you carry? That's a victim mentality. Get up and carry the weight. God made you do it. He had to carry his cross all the way. Yes, somebody else helped him, but he carried it himself as well. And then he hung on that thing. You need a Benaiah. Somebody in your life needs you to be Benaiah. I don't care if it's just one area where you crush it. Man, you walk into the room like Benaiah. Like you took out that giant, you took out two heroes, and you jumped into a pit and killed a lion just because. Like you read that verse in scripture, and and I'm going, I, I have looked through every commentary there is to go, surely someone knows his motive. I think it was just Saturday. I was like, I just just feel like being a man. Kill the lion with his bear. What? Somebody in your life needs you to be Benaiah. Don't just look for a spotter to walk through life with you. You find a good workout partner who will challenge you. Here's the next man every man needs. This one might surprise you because it's going in a different direction. Every man needs a Solomon in his life. First Chronicles chapter 28, you can read this one. And I'll just give you some mathematics here. For those of you who go back and read First Chronicles 28, David's getting to the end of his life and he says some great things to his son. God said that David was not to be the one to build the temple. It was gonna be Solomon. That was David's number one thing that he wanted. David invests in his son constantly. In First Chronicles 28, you see that he invests 110 tons of gold into Solomon so that he could build the temple. You know what the the modern day equivalent of 110 tons of gold is? Over $4 billion. When I say every man needs a Solomon, here's what I mean. You need a younger man. What, What does a Solomon look like? I'll tell you. A younger learner who stewards well. Find a young man who's a learner who stewards well. Doesn't have to steward perfectly, but he wants to learn. He doesn't just want to be where you are. That's a dream, not necessarily destiny. Find a young learner who stewards well. Now, the reason I gave you the numbers, because here's what God created each of us as men to do. Invest extravagantly into somebody we can help step into their calling. Four billion dollars. You know what's even better than that? If you go back, forward, you know, backwards in the story, earlier in the story, you see, actually, he also invested 100,000 talents of gold, 3,750 tons of gold. Before the four billion, 120 million ounces of gold. Anybody know how much that's worth? $144 billion. Do you think that qualifies as a slightly extravagant investment in the young Solomon? Yes, I know it was for the temple, but he was giving it to his son to do something with. Here's a million dollar question for you. When was the last time you took a, a person younger than you to coffee, to breakfast, to lunch, and you just taught them everything you've learned the hard way? This was one of my favorite one-liners that I got during this. A man who never shares what he's learned is a man who will always hoard what he's earned. He'll never give out what he's earned as long as he's a man who refuses to give out what he's learned. How often do you get, well, Preston, nobody wants that from me. I do. Save me 30 years. Teach me what you had to learn the hard way. Remember, this is a two-sided coin, every one of these. We need to be Solomons as well as have a Solomon in our life. You need to be pulling on the jacket 
of someone who has gone where you're hoping to go, who has learned what you don't know yet. And as men, we need to be sacrificially investing in men who are younger than us. And just a question, for those of you who are asking God to do something, maybe give you more wisdom, give you more anointing, give you more resources, can I tell you what I believe to be one of the fastest ways to, and I, this might sound bad, but to force his hand, and it's scriptural, it's to go invest the very thing you're hoping to receive from him into someone else at an extravagantly sacrificial level. Go wreck somebody. Go take everything you have and just wreck somebody. Just watch. See if you don't feel like God's standing over you going, are you kidding me? This kid's 26 years old, and you're acting like he's the leader of the free world. Are you really going to give him everything I've given to you over these years, all this wisdom? You're going to pass it on to him, and he didn't have to learn it the hard way? Yes, God. I want him to start where I finish. Do you think God's just going to sit back idly and go, well, that's great, son? No. I believe he looks at us, and he says, okay. Well, then why don't you call me double down? Because I'm just going to double. I'm just going to double what you gave away. All that wisdom that you had to learn the hard way. I'm going to give you twice as much, and it's not going to be as hard this time. I'm going to give you new ways to think of things. I'm going to show you new things in Scripture. I'm going to funnel more resources through you. I'm going to give you more prophetic words for people. Whatever you gave away, I'm going to give more back to you. All of us need a Solomon. What does life without a Solomon look like? It looks excessive. It looks selfish. David did not just tell Solomon how to build the temple. He gave him the blueprint for how to do it and everything, nearly everything. Now, compared to the people, David pretty much gave 99.9% of what the temple was built with. The people showed up with everything they had, and it was like 0.1% of what David gave. David didn't just show Solomon with the blueprint. He supported him. He sewed into him. Million-dollar question for each of you. How often do you sacrificially sew into a younger man, the way you wish someone would have sowed into you when you were that age and at that stage. It's what God's called us to do. Here's the fourth type of man every man needs in his life. This one might surprise you too. Mephibosheth. Every man needs a Mephibosheth in his life. If you don't remember Mephibosheth, Jonathan's son was a cripple. David takes him in and treats him like the leader of the free world. What does a Mephibosheth look like in your life? A man who's hurting who's limping, and maybe even needs to be carried for a bit. Big question here is, what does life without a Mephibosheth look like? It looks easy. When you don't have a Mephibosheth in your life, life looks easy. If you're sitting back right now and you're going, man, life is easy. This is great. This, this is a good season. I can tell you one of the reasons why it's so easy. I promise you, you do not have a Mephibosheth in your life. You do not have a man who's going through a difficult time that just like in that video, it feels like you're having to drag along through this season until he can get strong enough to walk on his own. God created us to have a Mephibosheth. If life seems easy, simply because you're not making anybody's life any easier. Men were created to be godly beasts of burden. Now in scripture, in scripture that's, that's a donkey. Hope you know that. Your wife may call you that from time to time. God never created life to be easy. He created life to be filled with purpose. How do I know I'm living on purpose? Write this down if you're taking notes. I know I'm living on purpose when I'm helping to carry with others what they can't carry by themselves. I'm gonna say it again. How do I know I'm living on purpose? When I'm helping to carry with others, not for others, with others, what they can't carry by themselves. Do you have a Mephibosheth in your life? And there's a secondary question. If you do, write their name next to Mephibosheth on your paper. 
But there's an even bigger question. If you have a Mephibosheth in your life, I want to ask you, when their name shows up on your phone, how often do you get frustrated by it? When you see Mephibosheth texting you, do you get frustrated? If you do, you're not carrying Mephibosheth. You're cursing him under your breath. You're not carrying his weight. You're not carrying him. God created you to be able to handle heavy weight. And there are men even at your table that are going through a rough season. But if you're so focused on your phone, on your calculator, on your possessions, you're going to miss the man sitting next to you that is in a tough spot that just needs to be carried for a little bit. And then he'll get up and he'll start walking with you. How often do you think like that? Even if you feel like you're a Mephibosheth right now, the best thing you can do is find your own Mephibosheth and help them. Here's the next man. Number five. Every man needs a Nathan. Every man needs a Nathan. Second Samuel chapter 12, you can read here. Nathan's a freak show. He was one of David's boys. And when you read about Nathan, you see when, when David falls into sin with Bathsheba and he thinks he's getting away with it, Nathan was the one to call him out. And you got to read how he did it because it, it's gangster. I mean, he, he literally, he gives David an illustration and it makes David so angry. And he says, Basically, I'm going to kill the person who did that. And Nathan goes, you are that man. That's gangster right there. Okay. What does Nathan look like? Two big things. He hears God clearly and he speaks the truth in love. Nathan hears God clearly. So it probably means he's a little more spiritually mature than you are. I know the Nathans in my life are definitely more spiritually mature than me. They hear God clearly. They speak the truth in love. What does life without a Nathan look like? One word, exposed, exposed. When you don't have a Nathan in your life, you walk into every room in your life with your fly down. We think no one notices, but when we don't have a Nathan, I remember when the Lord gave me the picture of this. He said, Preston, because I was watching men fall in ministry, and I was saying to the Lord, I don't want to fall. I want to finish. I don't want to fall. I might trip. You'll catch me, but I don't want to fall. I don't want to go down that path. How do I make sure I don't go down that path? And here's what he said. Surround yourself with Nathans. What happens, Preston, is men in your position start to think they're more like me than man. And they don't need Nathans who can look them in the eyes and say, you are that man. Stop it now. They hear God clearly. They speak the truth in love. Think about this. This is how the Lord helped me understand it. He said, Preston, imagine if you were getting up to preach. And you walk by Brad, you go up on the stage to preach and it's just not landing well and you're firing bullets, but it's like they're almost giggling at you the entire message. And you're trying to figure out what's going on and what's the deal. Is there something behind me? You know, people are staring at me in a different way. And then about 20 minutes into the message, you look down and you see your fly is completely down and you're exposed. And you get off the stage after the message and Brad says to you, hey, how'd you feel about the message? And you go, man, they were laughing the entire time. They couldn't even focus on what I was saying. I don't even know if they heard God. They were giggling the entire time. And then I looked down and my fly was down. And Brad goes, yeah, I saw it when you were walking up there. Now, he's bigger than me, but I might find a dumbbell and hit him in the face. What, what, what do you mean? You saw my fly down? You saw me exposed and you didn't just tell me, hey, zip it up, bro. You let me walk up there and expose myself? Listen to me closely. The world is filled with men who look at other men as competitors. And a man who looks at you as a competitor will never, ever, ever be a Nathan in your life. 
You need to find a man who will look you in the eyes and go, Preston, you have stuff in your nose right now, bro. My nose points up and I'm getting older. And, and you know, when you're getting older, you get ear hair and you get nostrils like tree trunks. You know what I'm saying? We all need a Nathan who will hear God on our behalf and have the guts to come to us and say, then I know everybody thinks you're amazing right now and you are, but we need to talk about something. Okay, when was the last time you allowed a man in your life to talk to you that way? Well, Preston, I don't have anybody in my life that talks to me like that. Well, maybe it's because you've pushed them all, all away. Do you have a Nathan? If you don't, what does life without him look like? It looks exposed. We walk into every room with our fly down. Here's the last man everybody needs. This is the one not everybody, not every man loves to hear. But if you've been at this church for any amount of time, this one's not going to shock you. Every man needs a Jonathan. Every man needs a Jonathan. 1 Samuel 18, the first four verses, are, these are my favorite. You can read a lot more about Jonathan, but you can write those four verses down about the beginning of David and Jonathan's relationship. What does Jonathan look like in your life? Write this down if you're taking notes. A safe place to be vulnerable. Jonathan is a safe place where you can puke. I know everybody around you counts on you and they don't want to see you sick, but listen to me, we all get sick. There have been times I have stood on this stage with stuff going on in my life, preached the best message I possibly could, walked right off that stage. Brad knew what was going on. I just started crying immediately right behind that wall. I just go out and throw up. How often do you puke emotionally? Because let me, let me answer this question. What does life look like without Jonathan, without a safe place to be vulnerable? I'm going to give you a word, and I hope you never forget this. It looks explosive. When you don't have a Jonathan in your life, you will explode. Let me give you the illustration, and we'll finish up this part. Have you ever known you were about to throw up? I mean, you knew it was coming, but you were just trying to, maybe you're in a public place and you're trying to push it down, you know, and, and you're just maybe doing breathing exercises or something, just trying to shove it down, you know, and it just starts coming up higher and higher. You know that feeling, don't you? And you know, you're getting a little bit green in that moment, but you can't see you. So you don't know the green's coming, but you think you're fooling everybody. So you're just shoving it down. And what ends up happening? You don't just throw up, you projectile vomit, the more you shove down something that needs to come out, the more explosive it will be when it exits your mouth. Preston, I have an anger problem. No, you don't. Anger isn't your problem. Hiding is. Why am I so explosive? Because you're shoving all your hurt down. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything else that I've said in the last 25 minutes, you need to find yourself a Jonathan. And they're not easy to find but they are worth searching for. I'm not talking about some, some guy who doesn't know Jesus at work. That's great. Win him to the Lord. That's not what I'm talking about. You need a godly safe space to puke. When was the last time you texted your Jonathan and said, man, I, I just got to talk. Can we, can we grab breakfast? Can we grab coffee? And you just went and threw up. You already know what happens when you don't puke in the presence of Jonathan. You puke all over your kids all over your wife, they're the ones that get covered in crap because you just keep pushing it down instead of living this life the way God created you to, hooking up with Jonathan on a consistent basis. Now, what I love is some people go the route that, well, I was taught that David and Jonathan had homosexual feelings for one another. Can I put this to, to bed, please? True or false? God looks at David and he goes, oh my word, that is a man after my own heart. True or false? That's true. Don't allow the enemy to take 
godly connection and pervert it. That's how he keeps us away from one another. That's just gross. No, it's not. It's necessary. How often are you puking? How often are you letting the man God's put in your life puke? There's a divine rhythm of vomit. See, we convince ourselves that a man can deal with it. He just shove it down and shove it down. Is it manly? Is it masculine to take it out on my wife? No, that's a sissy. She didn't do anything to deserve it. I need to deal with my garbage. Proverbs says, only a stable without oxen remains clean. You know what that means? This should be an encouragement to those of you who just feel like you got to puke a lot in this season of your life. Thoroughbreds make big messes. They have designated dump sites. Jonathan is a designated dump site. Do you have that in your life? If you don't, the people who love you are suffering and you don't even know it. They are not getting the best of you because you're pushing all this junk down. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take 60 seconds and I want you to write the name and names of the men in your life that occupy these six slots. 60 seconds. Just write the names down. Look at me. How many of you had at least one man who occupied more than one slot in your life? Put your hand up. Hold it up high. Okay, hold it up and keep it up. Okay, every man that has a hand up right now, look at me closely. Whether it's one man, two men, three men, those are the people you need to be spending the most time with. That's a gift from God. You can put your hands down. That is a gift from God. Don't take advantage of that person. You steward that person. Now, let me tell you, Before we move to this next little exercise, let me tell you why I'm obsessive about the me plus six philosophy. When I was in junior high, I've always been kind of the smaller kid and I got picked on from time to time. And so I learned a valuable lesson that when you're my size, make friends with the big dudes. So my first year in high school, I got smart to this whole philosophy and I became friends with the biggest offensive lineman on our state championship football team. Went on to play division one football, high level, huge guy. And we would sit together at lunch every day. Question, do you think I ever got messed with when he was sitting with me? Nobody messed with me, not because I was big and strong. They didn't mess with me because I was walking with somebody who was. Okay, now listen to me closely. If I were gonna add a seventh man to the list, Every man needs a Goliath in his life. Every single man needs a Goliath in his life. A challenge or challenger who will not let him cheat his way around them. You were made to dominate challenges. The enemy will put him in front of you. God created you and has empowered you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead has been put on the inside of you. There's a reason for that. It's not for joy rides, it's for overcoming. Here's what I learned growing up, that only a fool fights alone. I got in one fight in junior high. The kid was smaller than me, and I lost. And here's why, because his friends showed up to fight with him and mine didn't, and I lost. And I made a vow that day in the sixth grade that will never happen to me again. I will never fight alone. Interestingly enough, somebody put a saying on a bracelet that was handed out to you. Whether you wear it or not, I'm wearing mine because it's a great reminder. Only a fool fights alone. Well, Preston, I don't know anybody. You got some people at your table right now. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to start fighting together at your table right now. I want you to take a couple of minutes. And I want you to say two things. I want you to say, out of all the people on that list, 
who you most resemble in this season of your life. Maybe you feel like Mephibosheth. Say it. I feel like Mephibosheth right now. So that's the first part. Who do you most resemble in this season? But the second part is this. What do you need most in this season? Do you need a Nathan? You need a Samuel? You need a Solomon? Maybe, maybe it's a great season. You need a Mephibosheth. I want you to take four or five minutes right now, and I want you to go around your table. I want you to answer those two questions. Which of these six men do I look most like in this season, and what do I need? Which of these men do I need most in my life? And you might find something interesting. You might have one sitting at your table. Let's just see what God does in this moment. Go ahead, talk amongst yourselves. Somebody go first, be a man, step out, lead the way. This is what I look like. This is the man I most resemble in this season. And this is what I need most. Be vulnerable. Tell somebody where you're at. You find yourself saying, if you find yourself saying, I got everything I need right now, then you need a Mephibosheth. Tell somebody at your table. You might have one sitting next to you. You kind of let everybody know in your group who you most resemble. They kind of know what they're dealing with, who they've got next to them. They also know what you need. I want you to do this in, in a concise form. You don't need to tell every detail. You, need to, you don't need to write a book about it. But I want every man at every table in every row, whoever you're with, I want every man to in a sentence say, the biggest challenge I am facing right now is. Tell them. Somebody start at your table. The biggest challenge I'm facing is. Don't tune out when a man is talking about the biggest challenge he's facing. You can't fight with somebody if you don't listen to him. One sentence, the biggest challenge I'm facing is. One sentence, not a paragraph, a sentence. All I'm asking you to do is point at Goliath, not read his stats. All right, everybody look this way. And here's what I want you to do before we go into worship. If you have a man at your table and you said, I need a Samuel, and you've got a Samuel sitting at your table, you may have to get up and move around, but I want you, if you can, now it's not gonna work with everybody, but if you can, I want you to go sit next to that person. And, and if you can't, I want every man, I want you in twos right now, just for a couple of moments, I want every man with another man, all right? So if you're, if you're a Jonathan and somebody says you need a Jonathan, I want the two of you to hook up, all right? And then here's what I want you to do. We're gonna spend a couple of moments praying, really interceding for that man. And I want you to pray. And I hope you're listening to the challenge he said he's facing because that's what I want you to go in on. We're gonna pray together. We're gonna stand together. We're gonna fight together. Start praying over the challenge. Just start praying whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to pray. And I don't want you to pray some wussy prayer. You pray like a victor, not a victim. If they said they're battling addiction, you take authority over the spirit of addiction. That guy's fighting for his life. You don't go in there whispering. You lay hands on him. Paul said to Timothy, don't forget what happened by the laying on of hands. Come on, you get into that pit with that man and you start praying. Come on, be aggressive. Don't dilly-dally. Go right at that stronghold. Don't dance with that spirit. Overtake it. You see fear in his eyes? You come against the spirit of fear in Jesus' name. You don't know what to do right now? You just say, in Jesus' name, go. In Jesus' name. Come on, let the man know he's not fighting by himself. That you and the God of the universe are standing with him. Put courage in. That's what encourage means. Put encouragement, courage inside of him through this prayer. 
pray the hottest prayer you've ever prayed. Holy Spirit, speak right now. Right now, move, Holy Spirit, in this room. This is how we fight. Pray and worship. Pray, worship. Pray, worship. Pray, worship. I want every man in this room to stand right now. You can finish afterwards. Come on. We're going to finish tonight worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, standing in the presence of the one who's never lost. Come As we wrap up this particular episode, one of the things that really strikes me as I listened to Preston talk is that Jesus modeled this. He had disciples around him, and they were around him all the time. They were his accountability. They were his strength. I mean, think about when Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. He asked three of the men that were with him to be with him while he prayed because he needed their strength. He modeled this. And as a group of men who are trying to create a culture of accountability as well as a culture of doing this together, we need our Nathans. We need our Samuels, our Jonathans. We need these men in our life. Mephibosheths. I mean, think about it. Brilliantly, brilliantly spoken. So this week, the only way this message or this particular podcast becomes activated is when you sit down and do the work that it takes. In other words, write down the names of the men that represent the six men that you need in your life. Write them down, send a text, have lunch, and start diving into becoming who God wants you to be. Remember, we are exploring Jesus, the most mentally tough man to ever walk the face of the earth. And if the most mentally tough man to ever walk the face of the earth needed other men around him, you will need other men around you. Again, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.